So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your hosts of the day be Couple guess too We're gonna win the trophy when overdue Can we do the double make it deja vu It's a move London thing Third one is only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in He's only got one E but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking With the show side, with the show side With the show side's what we sing With the show side, with the show side it's a new flood to me. Yo, actually, Kwabna, do you want to do the yo's this week? As they were so desperately dire last week, do you actually want to redeem and do the yo's this week? Um, first of all, putting my name in the same sentence as dire, the word or the name is completely unacceptable, <laughs> so don't do that again. Um, second of all, you have your own inimitable spiral, which I just didn't want to try and replicate because you are so far in the league of your own. Why have cotton when you get silk? Do you know what I mean? Flattery will get you everywhere. Even though my voice is all over the place this week, I'm going to try some yo's for the listeners. Yo, 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 it's the Shelf Side Podcast. And we're back again, episode 77. And secondly, because I guess that was firstly, how you doing, Quab? Yeah, I'm right, man. I'm okay, thank you. I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Apart from my throat, I think I've got long COVID without having COVID, but hey, hey ho. That's very, that's go. very impressive. Well, there you go. You know, I like to do impressive feats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we keep it moving. We keep it moving. Shout to Lero, big bro. Um, Bants last week, jokes last week, smashed it as always. That's what we expect. And last week was different because it was the first week I haven't been on the pod. And I just enjoyed listening to you two. It was a really good pod. Just nice conversation cool. about our beloved Spurs. So appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Lero, Lero's a professional, you know. Yeah, he, uh, he wasn't feeling too great, but he still delivered. So I appreciate that. Even though you lot did send for me, even though I couldn't string two sentences together last week because I was coughing every bloody five seconds, he sent for me, asked me where I was. But you know, I was there in spirit. <laughs> and listen, yeah. if you've got issue, you take that for your bro, bro. That's like you know, I was trying to defend you the whole time. As I'm sure you know from listening to the podcast. That was you defending me, was yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. I better not do any murders then, eh? I'm just... <laughs> Boy. Yeah, for that and so many other reasons. For that and so many other reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, so we... Uh, we had a game. Played Everton. Um, I mean... Don't know, man. It was drab. <laughs> it was trap to say the least, man. Like it was a nothing this game, man. Nothing. It was so such in contrast to um, the kind of the experience well, topsy turvy. You know, you know. I think it was like I think it was like the first game, the first game of like Pochettino's second season, I think, when. Dyer played in midfield and we drew 0-0 with uh with Everton. But it was actually quite an entertaining game and it was like the it was the genesis of like maybe playing playing differently. Or when we had the first um full season, Harry Redknapp had taken over and we played Man City first game of the season and Bale like tore Michael Richards apart. This is when Michael Richards was like, you know, 
emerging like a top guy yeah yeah so it's like I look at those nil nils and I was like whilst obviously no goals they were quite interesting games to watch this was not that at all I thought this game was um, boring frustratingly so um, but you know I think there were probably some learnings to be taken from it so I guess where do you want to where do you want to start well I think I think it's interesting um, some of the things you're saying, and I don't disagree. It was boring. Um, we still don't manage, haven't managed any shots on targets and, and no goals, so they're worrying things. But I guess Conte's come in right, and we've had two contrasting games, as you alluded to, and he came in straight away, and unlike his time at Chelsea, went straight in with three five two. Yep. Um, or three four three, depending on how you look at it. And you kind of called the three four three. I thought it was going to be a three five two. So I think we should probably start on the formation. Um, is it right? How are we adjusting to it? Can you see some signs there that um, make us believe that Conte could be successful with Spurs with this formation? I think that there's the most important thing about this the formation was what he mentioned before about stability. He's brought a stability to the team. And whilst it's unglamorous, it's not sexy at all, it is definitely stable. And I say that because this was the kind of game that in the past Tottenham would have lost like 1 or 2 nil just because of absent-mindedness and not having turned up themselves. The combination of the two is usually quite deadly. But in this instance, we didn't really turn up. And we didn't turn up. We didn't really turn up. We didn't really ask that many questions. And we actually invited a lot of pressure. And for a Rafa Benitez team to try and come at us the way that they did, I just felt that there was... I just thought there was like a, a real opportunity for, for us to afford under the pressure. And we didn't. So even with... Probably what I wouldn't consider as my my preferred um, three at the back. It still seemed quite solid. And I think that's testament also to the system, right? So he's clearly got an idea of how he wants us to play, which is more encouraging than the past couple of managers we've had. You know, I think Mourinho and, and, you know, were very much reactive managers. They waited for other teams to show their hand and then we will see so Mourinho was more like don't have the ball because if you have the ball if you don't have the ball you can't make mistakes and then Nuno was like oh well have keep the ball if you keep the ball they can't have the ball but don't do anything with it until they try and do something with it right whereas having possession with Conte feels like there is a purpose to it and the stabilizing factor has come up first and foremost but there's a, there are patterns of plays and there's there's a way of playing that he wants from us, right? He does want us to be um, compact in defence. He does want us to be expansive in attack. He does want us to move the ball uh, through the middle uh, if possible. But he's very happy to use the the, the full-backs or wing-backs as, as creative outlets. I think that's... I don't want to say that it's, it's completely taken shape 
I think a lot of people are saying that because they've seen what Conte has done at Juventus, he's seen what they've done, what he did at Chelsea, he's seen what they did at, he did at Inter, so it's very tempting to just be like, oh, this is the way Conte wants to play, blah, blah. Maybe he'll adapt it further because it's Tottenham. That's, there's a distinct possibility that that might be the case. But what I am encouraged by is the fact that there is a way of playing that's coming into fruition. Yeah, I mean, it's way too early to say things are taking shape. We shipped two goals in the first game. And we were under the cosh, made defensive errors in that game. And we're lucky to escape with a victory in that game. And then this game, we didn't create any nearly enough chances. And I don't think there was enough cohesion to turn around and say things are taking shape. What I guess has taken shape is the formation. He's used the same personnel, if I'm not mistaken, bar Doherty. Um, or Doherty came on, didn't he? Yeah, which so was the same... which was like wild to me. But is it that wild? Because Doherty is an attack-minded fullback, right? He's a wingback as opposed to a fullback. Sorry. So in a system where you're playing um, wingbacks, is he not a better option than some of the others? The idea that Doherty could ever be a better option for anything is beyond, beyond <laughs> me. I can't even pretend. I cannot even pretend. <laughs> Conte said everyone gets a chance. Everyone's going to get a chance to prove themselves, right? I mean, if look, they deserve look, it. Coaches say that all the time, but he should. In this case, he shouldn't really mean it. But I mean, look, fine, fine, cool. But <laughs> that is that is not an experiment I want to see again. I'm done with it. I, I hear you. I hear you. But we still didn't manage a shot on target, which is a big, big worry. Let's also hit the post. It doesn't count as a shot on target. Now, for me. I want to know what you think in terms of the midfield. Like the midfield, as we always say, is the engine room. It's where things happen. We've commented on Hoybier and Skip being the two in there. Does that seem right to you without a more attack-minded midfielder? Um, is the balance right? Are we reliant too heavily on two rampaging fullbacks, but not necessarily with the quality um, in front of goal or in it's the just, final third it's just not enough man it's not enough because we've reached a stage now where Javier is just not looking that good anymore and a big part of this right is that he's just not <coughs> he's not being given a rest like we could see at the end of um, not even at the end maybe the like halfway through last season his form just seemed to go off a cliff he was knackered Parties were going astray, and then everyone's like, "Oh, look at him for for the Euro! See what he's doing for um for for Denmark." Denmark. Perhaps there was like a little bit of a break, and then tournament football can be intense. There's no denying that, right? But his position is different. He had a small bit of a of a break between that and the Premier League. Maybe maybe that's enough. Maybe that's what he needs because, like, he's not just not seeming himself. And when you think about what he's been asked to do. I can't stress this enough. Taking him out of the, the lineup and having, even if you shared those minutes, right, between him and Skip, 65, 35, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Skip has come from a, from on loan in Norwich. It's actually a big ask for him to come in and start at Tottenham and be a consistent starter for the whole season. That's actually a big ask for someone his age. It is a big you ask. You know, we've been yeah. talking about him in the in the... 
in the youth academy and stuff. And because we've been doing that for so long, it's so easy to think, oh, yeah, he's gone on loan at Norwich. He smashed it, which he did. He played every game. Yes, he did. He played amongst men. Yes, he did. Now he should come and he should just start. Like, there are seasoned professionals who work their way up through all the leagues. They get to Premier League and they start to come off the bench. I think that in an ideal world, Hobier needs to be playing with another creative midfielder by his side. Either it's Lo Celso or Nombele. Obviously, I think Nombele is a better option. But um, so Lo Celso and Nombele. And then give Hobier maybe like you play him 70, 80 minutes and you give Skip the last 10, 15 minutes plus stoppage time. Or you get him to play against weak opposition. Like, dovetail the two of those guys. And I think the problem is because of what seemingly their willingness to run, their willingness to defend, their willingness to pass, their willingness to follow instructions means that they quickly become coach favourites. Completely understand that, right? But being a coach favourite and then thinking about what you need for a system are two different things. I think that it's important to dovetail their minutes so you can get the best out of both of them and you can have cover. Because right now, if you want to play them, those two in the double pivot where range of passing is limited, creativity is at a deficit, what happens if one of them gets injured? And you've been playing that whole Or way. suspended. Or suspended. Like, Skip is going to be suspended next game, I think. So, so, yeah, so we are in a situation where, whether we like it or not, we have to play either, well, you say you say that you have to play either Lissels or Nombly, but we could end up there with Winks, because... Or, or Delhi. Yeah, we could end up with Delhi. Um, and, I mean, to me, that wouldn't be the end of the world. If he's going to be the, if he's going to try things, right? If he's going to try things, I think putting the shackles on Dele is probably part of the reason why we haven't seen the best of him. But that, I guess that's another, that's another story. But I think from the midfield point of view, having that solidity, to me, is only necessary when you've got an abundance of inform, attacking talent elsewhere. If we had two sons and a firing cane. Play those two old midfielders and two and two. Man said and two, two sons, you know. Yeah, and two and two uh, attracting, uh, two um, massively attacking and successfully attacking and on form. Like, if we had Peak Rose and Walker, and then like you know, Bale, Son, Kane, all on Son, all on Song. Play, play those two guys. Play those wall carriers and get them to wall. Get them as long as they can pass the ball quickly to those who can make damage. Fine, but we don't have that right now. So therefore, we need to find a way to create through the middle, and we have the players to do that. So they just need to be incorporated. I think one of the problems that we have as a team, <clears throat> as a squad, and everyone talks about it, is the the loss of Ericsson. But not only the loss of Ericsson, because he was never really replaced. Um, well, he kind of was replaced with Lacelso, but we'll come on to that, I'm sure. But loss of Ericsson coupled with the loss of Dembele because Dembele was a deep-line midfielder who was never flustered on the ball. So always gave your team time, always gave your team an option, allowed the team to actually progress up the field um, as a team. And then we had a ball-playing defender, a Rolls-Royce of a defender in Jan Vertonghen, who was always a front foot, a bit like Romero, but and Romero's good on the ball, but he, what, um, Vertonghen had was insightful passing straight into feet into that midfielder into the forwards just zipping it so quickly zipping it you can't yeah. allow you yeah. don't, doesn't allow the opposition to settle because you know 
constantly moving them around because the incis the incision and the speed of the passing is such an important skill. But, you know, to get out of your feet and just put it in a position where someone's off kilter. I saw I saw Skip do this the last game. He got the ball and he just zipped it. In, sorry, before um, Everton, and he West Ham. He zipped it in. Yeah, West Ham. Yeah, I know the pass you're talking about. And I was yeah, like, yeah, more of that, more of that, because at this stage in your careers, if you can't ping a ball like that and the other person control it, like, it's a big mistake. You, you know, if you look at Man City, Kyle Walker plays those kind of balls on a regular <laughs> yeah. basis. He zips, zi it he zips it in straight. He maybe zip it, Deal with zip it. it through the, the opposition fullback so you can run in behind. But he is paying those incisive passes and he's their fullback. So these things can be done. You just need to choose who you want to be paying those. But I think to have Hobia and Skip doing that is just currently not working. It's a problem because we are now designed as a counter-attacking side. And this is why I think it started with Jose. Uh, obviously lost those players. Or Ericsson under his watch. And then he was happy to, as you alluded to earlier, not have the ball to not make mistakes, which is such a backward mentality. So um, <laughs> and then Nuno just, yeah, Nuno's time was for, um, and he never tried 3-5-2, which was odd. Anyway, um, and he kind of, like you say, kept the ball without progressing the ball really and again, you don't need those creative midfielders per se in order to do that. And and this is why I think that the midfield balance should include, if you're going to play those two, you need to play someone who's really attack-minded ahead of them um, and who can link the play. And that's not necessarily um, Mora and Son, whose record of combinations between them isn't great for the time they've played together. And they had a little bit of a, tete-a-tete on Sunday. So I'm not sure what that was all about. But my point is, midfield is an issue. We need to find the right balance, whether that be three in there with an attack-minded midfielder or um, two in there and three up top. Like you say, if we had two sons, that would be good. But I still think we need to get the ball to them and to enable the team to progress as a whole as opposed to just finding one player with a long pass and then it's just three against the four or five. And that's what we seem to be doing more often. I know we're getting the fullbacks involved now, but Royale needs to, for me, play as high as Reggion if we're doing it. Yeah. And let those two, if we're playing those two in there, let them cover the fullbacks. And we've got three centre halves as well. Yeah. So, and they're not necessarily stepping out to make a three man midfield. So they should be able to cover the fullbacks. So they both need to be as high as possible. Um, but one of those midfielders who divides opinion. Well, we've got two midfielders who divide opinion. We're in Don Believers. I think we've covered him quite a bit. Yeah. But but the other one is seemingly going backwards game by game. The fan base is getting on him. What what's the deal with Celso? It's hard. He doesn't seem to be playing like a player who's bereft of confidence. Right. I mean, that's not the vibe I'm getting. He's just massively... He's massively out of form and put in positions where... He has to come on and, like, spark something, right? Like, where you currently use him as, like, a sparker kind of player outside of the the Europa Conference League. He's brought in to try and change things. But he also seems to be the kind of player who needs to grow into a game. Like... 
Dombele comes when he comes onto the game. It's like straight away his game is like automatic. He gets the balls like flicks, tricks, like quick passes, zip, zip, zip. Whereas, like you've like you said before, Lesotho likes to carry the ball, right? Bring the ball into space, look up, see what's happening, etc. You can't really you don't have enough space to do that as a sub coming into centre midfield. If he was like Bergwijn coming on the wing, like your job to terrorize the fullback and help out your own fullback. Like, you know straight away. Do that, get into into difficult positions for the opposition to track you, get some crosses in, etc. Like, it's very straightforward. I don't think the same can be said for the Celtic's position. And so, unless he's given a run, I can't see how things are going to change. There's nothing about him that suggests that... Currently, there's nothing about his game or his performance that suggests that he has more in the locker. And this is a man who hit the post at the end of the game. With his hardest kick he's ever kicked for um, Spurs. Everything I, I, else has no been, power. Yeah. Do you know, and even the, the corner, which is going to be immortalised. Yep. He was trying to do something there. I don't know what he was trying to do, but he was trying <laughs> to do something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he was trying to do know. something, bro. That can't have been his thing, man. That can't have been what he was trying to do. There's no way. There's no but way. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, right, you touched on the fact that he's bereft of confidence. Unless he's balling with Messi for Argentina. Yeah. Because he's come back from a game where he balled out. Yeah. And everyone's like, we need that Lacelso for Tottenham. And in the Tottenham team, he just seems to make the wrong decision. And he buzzes a little bit. And then he just do a pass that you think, bruv, my five-year-old could do better than that. And then the chance he has against Vietes in the week. It was harder to miss than it was to hit the keeper's head, hand or wherever he hit. And you got to ask the question. You're one-on-one. You're with, on your left foot. The keeper's coming out at you. Why are you lifting the ball? Why are you not just rolling the ball no, past the keeper? the keeper? It was the hardest chance to miss. And that would have eased the pressure. He can get in these positions. He gets in these pockets. He gets shots on goals. He's in the area. But he just seems to not be able to do it. And it's interesting. Because if this had been Nkudu or NG, people would have been going absolutely crazy saying this player's like wash. But because it's Lo Celso, and we want him to be good, and he has had moments, he started this, his career at Spurs really good, was the only bright, um, bright um, spark in that Mourinho time, um, just before, was it just after lockdown? I kind of remember. Just before, I think. Yeah. Um, so we, 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 we expect there is something they carried the ball really well then, but right now, he is looking like, I don't know, bro. It is looking like we wouldn't get 15 million for him. It's looking like Winks would command more money for um, himself than the Celso right now. That's what it's looking like. And that's not good. Yeah. It's not good, and the, the, the I guess also the spaces that he occupies when he's playing with Messi for Argentina is pretty much like secondary strikerish type type territory, right? We don't play like that. There's there's systems I can't I don't know of any modern like Premier League um, teams that play that kind of system. It just doesn't really happen anymore. It was actually even revolutionary when we had uh, Dele doing it because. When do you see a second striker? People don't play two up front um, anyway. And if you're going to be playing the kind of midfield that we were playing 
Like it was a bit of an anomaly having him as a as a second striker. So if it's not going to work for Dele, who's who's got more presence, taller, um, better holding the ball. If he's not going to do it, Alessandro's not going to do it. And Conte doesn't play like that anyway. He just doesn't play like that. So he doesn't. I just don't see. I just, you know sometimes it's like you look at these players and you don't know what you want them to do. You just want you just want them to do anything other than what they're currently doing. That's why I feel like with Excelsior. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can't say to him I want him to be our ten because I actually want I, I actually want our creativity to come from a deeper place. I want it to come from Dombele in an eight role as opposed to a ten role, and I want our our wingers to be terrorizing fullbacks. You know, I want whether it's Bergwijn, Lucas, Son, whoever. I want them to be proud and creative, and I want Kane in the box instead of doing this, this fake um, Zidane thing he likes to do. Right? That's what I want to see. Man said so fake in order, in, order, in order for that to happen, you can't have Lissosa running around trying to be a second striker. That's not going to work. So my guy needs to decide on what he wants to be. This is the one thing I always respect Dyer for. Right? I think he did try, and he was basically him trying to cover his tracks. But him coming out and going like, "I'm a centre back. Yeah, that's what I am." I'm a centre back, so let me play centre back. And to battle in there to the point where three managers in a row have all backed him to play centre back, right? I Which is that. doing my nutting. Yeah, it's doing my nutting as well, bro. Because, all right, Dyer, we need to talk about Dyer. Like, didn't have a bad game by all accounts on Sunday, but he's had bad games. Um. He doesn't jump in the box. He's not dominant for his size in the air. He's got no pace. He's the sweeper of the two or the three, which causes a problem because there's now separation between the defence and the midfield and the forwards because we're frightened of him um, being caught out. So we give up the space in between. So we can't be a front foot team. Now, we've got a player who actually made his name, if you like, by playing in the centre of a three. And for some reason, and I think it's because of Dyer, Dyer's awkwardness, for some reason he's playing on the right of a three. I don't like our defensive setup, as in the three we've got there. We've got Davies on the other side. I get it. Left-sided player who can kind of Cover fullback, cover centre half. Danny needs to stop ASAP though. <laughs> let's, let's. But I told you it was going to happen. I told you because Conte did it with Kolarov. So yeah, but Kol- he's Kolarov, got that. Kolarov, like you're you're right. But Kolarov has technical ability. <laughs> like I'm not even being facetious. Like Kolarov had technical ability. He has that. He's got a great left foot. Yeah. Yeah, one. And more often than not, knows what to do with it. Yeah. Ben Davis is not that guy. No, no. At all. The only thing they have in common is they're left-footed and they played full-back first. I think that's where it stops, right? I think that's where it stops. Okay, you got carte blanche. What would you do? So, for me, I would. mine would be Sanchez, Romero and Rodon. Is that Sanchez to the right? Yeah. Romero okay. to the left, rather in the middle. You have two impulsive, front foot, aggressive defenders in there. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. You're not running the risk. No, you are running a risk, right? You're running a risk. But then you also... 
you have to play these players with the idea that they can be coached. That, that's you. a big part of it, right? So my thing is that you want... For me, it's like Sanchez and, and Tanganga. Sanchez has got greater athleticism, right? Tanganga is actually a, probably a better defender. So maybe it's close between them two. Okay, maybe it's Sanchez. Maybe it's, maybe it's Romero, Tanganga, and Rodon. Maybe it's Tanganga not. gives you the the option of play, he's played fullback, so he's he's not going to be uh, like a fish out of water when he has to drift over to the right, which Sanchez was when he was played right back in a game before, and he looked like he didn't know what to do. Um, but that said, I still think there could be a player in Sanchez. I like his attributes he has as a defender. He started um, this season really well. I just and he did. It seems to be that it seems to be criminally forgotten how he was cast aside. I don't get it. Well, yeah, it's that trip, that infamous now infamous trip to South America for the boys. But Romero came back in and everything's okay. Whereas Sanchez, like you say, has been discarded, um, and he was the best defender we had in the first three games. He was actually better than Dyer. Um, so Ex- I don't exactly. understand. Yeah, but for me, I think the one we can debate over Tanganga or Sanchez, I think they both deserve an opportunity. I think Romero has to play in the middle, but I think the one there is Rodon. Rodon has not really been given a chance. Which is very surprising to me, man. Yeah. He joined as a left-sided centre-half as well. Yep, technical ability, young. uh, So so you, you think that by default he's coachable, like... Yeah, and I think as well, I think in a roundabout way, playing Romero, he wouldn't be the most senior if he plays with Sanchez in terms of age. And one could argue experience because Sanchez is an international. But I think by default, he becomes the leader if he plays in the centre. And I think having the two, or him being the leader and having two young centre-halves with him, especially if it's Tanganga and Rodon, Maybe that gives him the kind of responsibility to not be reckless. He can still be aggressive in front foot, but not have that aggressive, um, reckless streak. Mm. So he can stay on the pitch. Maybe that would help him grow up, if you like, very quickly into the Premier League game. Because you could argue that centre-back trio without Dyer is a little bit inexperienced, especially Premier League-wise. Yeah. And without Davies as well. But I mean, and this is this is the kind of the problem being a Tottenham fan, right? It's so easy to just like write off a season and be like, oh, we'll just look to the next one. But... Can't do that. Pride of North London's at stake. I don't see I don't see why we can't use the rest of the season to blood in... Well, like, I think it's pretty safe to say that Ben Davies doesn't have a future at Tottenham. <laughs> is that... Is that <laughs> is that too it far? Should be. It should be safe to say. It should be Ben Davies. So if the if you look at the system now, it should be Reguilon and Cessignon on the left hand side. That system should actually suit Cessignon really well because he is actually a goal for it as well. Right, he has been at his time in Fulham. He scored for Spurs. I don't think Regiona has scored for Spurs. Just as an example, I know in that game, Sessegnon played as a part of the forward three. Yeah. When he scored against Munich, but at the same time, 
he knows where the goal is. So I think it's safe to say that Davis won't be playing out there. In the free, again, his experience, he's a good pro. And I think that always works in his favour, especially with new managers. Trustworthy. But I think you're right. I think we've got to move on from him. I think he is one of the reasons. I honestly think we need to move on from Dyer. But because we haven't got experienced centre-backs, I think this is why he keeps on getting in there. They all need to duck out, bruv. They seem to go. It's like painful rebuild. I've heard sick of that. Oh, de- get rid of Deadwood. Sick of that. Like, just get it done. Just get it done. Like, I think it's, it's yes, he's played there before. So, like, he, he actually gave away a penalty. Oh, was it against the test he gave away that? It wasn't given as a penalty, but it should have definitely been a penalty. Yeah. It yeah. should have definitely yeah. been a penalty. Played Rashford onside. It's like, come on, man. These are all very, like, basic things that they should be picking up in. And his ineptitude is partly there because he continues to get minutes. Yeah, bro. Him and... I want to be his and Dyer's agent because you lot got to pay me at least 40% because I'm getting you... Big contracts, I'm getting you in the team each week, even though you don't deserve it. No, 100%. 100%. 100%. Right, if we get rid of them, though, we have to bring people in because we've just said we haven't really got the replacements. Right? So who should we be looking at? Because January's coming, Conte's in, that means we've got to be buying stuff, and Paratici loves to cook. I, so It's hard, like... It's hard to look past the free agent um, uh, approach because he's been famed for it in the past. People like Paratici, that's what he likes to do. He likes to get this. I think it's. I think Tottenham fans need to take that with a pinch of salt because beforehand he had a team in Juventus which had the clout, regular Champions League, loads of money to offer in terms of wages. So being able to get them on a free made sense. I don't think yeah. Tottenham, we just don't have the same draw at the moment. So I think that first of all needs to be taken into consideration. So far as like centre-backs are concerned, yeah. I haven't seen us linked with any. No. Um, so... Yeah, would I, you be mad at a British centre-back? Someone playing their trade or someone playing their trade in England? Because, I mean, if we look at Italy, I think it's that the one I can't pronounce, the Turkish international we've been linked with before. I think he's a free next year, Demiral. Oh, Demiral. And yeah, I would take and I would take Demiral in a heartbeat, mate. He, you know, after that own goal in, uh, in the Euros, yeah, yeah. he scared me off. Yeah, that. he looks fantastic. And him or Skriniar, I think, has got another year on his contract. So they're the type of deals that you know that Levy would like to do, and I'm sure Paratici would like to do. So they're probably the only two I can think of that. They would go for because you know we we don't like to take those risks really. We wouldn't do what Liverpool do and just buy a young up and coming centre back from Germany because I think um, what's the guy's name? Disek, Evan Disek. I think I think that's how you pronounce it at Frankfurt. He looks like he could be a prospect, but I don't think we'd ever do that. Davika is it Davika Disek? I can't even remember. But those who know know at Frankfurt, he's young. Um, but he's a left-sided centre-half who, who looks like a prospect. So I think we'll get an established name if we go down the centre-back route. But I think if we... That's one of our problems. But if we're playing die there, we can't really be hoping to address it, I don't think. So midfield is a problem. 
I think Winks and Dele, we've always said, and it's often been said this season, are probably going to be looking to move on, both are out of the England side and are miles away from it. They probably need fresh starts. Um, we've been linked with Kese. Yes, who I think would be a wonderful addition to the kind of system. So if he was in, if he was actually going to be in a, a centre midfield pairing, to me that would make sense. As in the two, so you see more as an eight. Yeah. So if you were to go to think, like I think that would actually be that would make more sense, right? Whilst he is more defensively minded, like he gets up and down the pitch, um, he his passing is you know really good. Like he he he's not like the most adventurous in his passing, but he's not just going to be passing sideways. He's fairly dynamic. Um, I think he's reliable. He's become strong. Quite, yeah, he's strong, but he's become quite robust. I think his injury record is fairly good. So to me, that's a great acquisition because Doctor Tottenham. Yeah, Doctor. yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, and but, if he frees, he frees, he frees us up to play in a slightly more expressive way, without relinquishing defensive responsibilities, which is good. Okay, so that makes sense. I like that. But would you have him or Brozovic? Mm. Both, both. I think, only have one year left on their deal. And I think Brozovic has been linked with Man United. But we've been linked with Brozovic before um, on many occasions. Now, he's more of a ball-playing midfielder. Yeah, so, Croatian. to me, if you're going to get someone like Brozovic, you're right, he's going to take the place of a Hoibier or a Skip. He's, he's an upgrade because, like you say, he's ball-playing. In a team that, perhaps, in a league which is a little bit slower, where you can you keep the ball for longer periods of time and teams aren't running and, and trying to hurt you in the same level of pace as they are in the Premier League, then cool. But given what we see in the Premier League, is it smart? I'm not sure. Okay. Would you go after Van der Beek? Oh, 100%. 100%. How much would you pay for Van der Beek? 40 mil. 40 mil? Yeah, yeah. Do you think, and this is just changing the subject slightly, but do you think Van der Beek is as good as we saw at Ajax, considering that De Ligt, Van der Beek, De Jong, to a degree, De Jong, um, and one other of their transfers, have struggled since leaving Ten Hag? First of all, Spurs point is going to have something to say about you saying anything sideways about De Jong. De Jong has, <laughs> De Jong has been actually, actually been like decent in a no he has in a, he has. In a struggling Barca side. De Ligt struggled in a flourishing Juventus side, and Van der Beek just hasn't been given minutes. For me, it's the form is temporary, class is permanent, and he was playing like a midfielder far beyond his years. His ability to control a game in various ways is what makes him so appealing as a midfielder. It can be metronomic, it can be more dynamic, contribute going forward as well as going backwards. To me, he's he's a special player. And to have him in the side would give us an opportunity to control the game in a way that we haven't been able to do for a very long time. That's what I find so appealing about Van der Beek. Yeah, I like Van der Beek, to be fair. And Steven Bergwijn should have tried harder to get him. But then again... I don't know how serious we were. I think we came with a last-minute bid, which is typical Tottenham. Anywho, 
Midfield defence. <laughs> Forwards. Because Twitter went wild. Absolutely bonkers when we suggest... When we not suggested, we asked the question, is it time to drop Harry Kane? Twitter came for, for us. Came for our necks. Uh, my neck. Um, it was me who raised the question. And... They asked, replace him with who? And that is a fair question. Apart from Son, it's only going to be Scarlett. So, as we know, we need a centre-forward. Or we need a forward. If you're Conte, and you get a 70 million person January, who are you going to go for? I like the way Alice looks, for sure. I think having a traditional number nine, in the ranks is just an exciting prospect because we just don't we just haven't had one for so long we haven't had someone for so long and I don't want to have to deal with people acting like you're crazy at the suggestion of dropping Kane because he's proven that outside these circumstances he's not actually undroppable because his, his performances warrant being dropped but he's cultivated a culture he's contributed to significantly because of the goals he scored and performances he pulled off of course he, he's done that but ultimately he, he believes that he's not, he's undroppable and you know that's first of all the how you lead to the demise of any team that's it like you so it's to me he has to he has to we, he has to have some kind of competition. I think Vahalovic is the kind of guy who, whilst he isn't just like Kane, his ability to hold up play, uh, his finishing, his ability to score a variety of goals makes him a great asset. He can play in a two, he can play in a one. Um, I very much would love to see him at Tottenham. But we also... The thing about being a Tottenham fan is that you get to a certain stage and it's like you're happy to have absolutely anyone absolutely anyone because anyone who's half decent you just mentioned you're like we'll take him because we know it's like <laughs> not to have a striker we, we know, we know it's like to, not to have any we know it's like not to have any options when the one person you have shooting isn't scoring goals so do you want a centre forward i.e. Valovic you mentioned him or would you take an auxiliary forward who knows where the back of the goal back of the net is and has scored a Premier League sorry a Champions League hat-trick this season no, I want a striker, bro. Like, this whole wingers who can play striker thing is, is great. You know, everyone always says that it's fantastic, blah, blah, blah. But Tottenham are the only team who, constantly, who are constantly trying to do it. They're constantly trying to do it. This whole, like, even that for me... That, well, that Liverpool way had Mane and Salah. Okay, so Liverpool, the way Liverpool, the reason it works for Liverpool, the reason it works for Man City with Foden and all that, because they are teams who are proactive and their whole game plan is predicated on them having the ball. And them having True. the ball all the time, right? There's no, there's no time, there's no system in which they don't have the ball. It's with them all the time, and because of that, you can float up, float around. You can pop up in pockets. You can make, you can punish people in this way and that way. You can do that because you have the ball all the time. If you don't have the ball all the time. You can't do that stuff. You can't do it. I hear you. So for me, I want I want a striker who is a striker, not someone who can play striker. We're not out here looking for right backs who can play centre back. <laughs> We're looking for yeah, centre-backs. We we're looking for centre-backs. Ben Say Ben Davies' name to me one more time. I would, I would jump through the screen. I would jump through the screen. And it would kick off. you now. It would kick off. Ben Davies, bro. Oh, my God. Look, appreciate what you've done, mate, but it's time to go. Thanks for... I would say thank you for the memories, but... 
Not even much going on, really. Nah, not, not too many. I want to see that highlight reel. He must be up for a freaking testimonial soon. Oh, I swear he must be. I'll need to check that out. But, mate, listen. I think that's it. I think we've got to see what's going to happen. Uh, the Conte area is here. He's picked pretty much the same side twice. He's got the international break where I think 14 players are away. So he's not going to get to really work with the team. I don't even know what it means for the South American players if they're going to be back in time for the Leeds game. But I guess they will be because they managed to play the um, last game after the international break. But we need to find some goals. We need to find some creativity. Um, Yeah, we just need to get firing because, listen, the other sides, the sides I don't even want to mention on this podcast... Are finding ways to win, finding ways, finding to, ways win, to in a big way, yeah. And we need to get this run going ASAP, Rocky. ASAP, Rocky. So, yeah, I'm gonna shout the new cities because you guys missed them off last week. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, we'll talk. And um, we didn't get to test your 13% knowledge of the world so real quickly I feel like it's very tough. I feel it's very tough that I get challenged on these cities because I've traveled a little bit. A lot of these places I've never even been to. But like, alright, fine. Cool. Smart I wasn't the one that said, I've travelled 5% of my, my world. My it wasn't it. me. <laughs> Sometimes, less is more. Uh, but you wanted to tell me the percentage of, and the world. We'll not see. just me. You told the world the la- how much you travel. That's the last time I share anything with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to share with me, don't share on the podcast. Yeah? Because you will be held to account. Um, Doncaster East shout to you guys um, Kwabna where is this town of Doncaster East I mean the only Doncaster I know is in the UK but what's Doncaster East international cities man I mean Doncaster I feel like it's going to be either the States or the Australia because colonization colonization um, uh, Australia You've done it again, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, but these are, Listen, these are all educated guesses, man. You can't, I can't you're really coming on the quiz show. No, I like, I like it. I like the way you break it down. Uh, That's good. I feel like you can't I went for colonisation and then skipped America <laughs> to choose Australia. Uh, all right, it's cool. You might win this, you know, just by educated guesses. Not just because you've travelled, but educated through guesses, your educated yeah. guesses. But that's not a bad way to go. Um, okay, cool. Let's try somewhere else. Doncaster East, shout to you guys. Kwabna worked you guys out. Uh, I think we had three more. Let's see how you go, Mr. 13%. Uh, Lake Charles. Lake Charles. I'm going to say the mm-hmm. States. I don't know where, though. Oh, I was going to say. Okay, pick a coast. Pick a coast. Mm, Lake Charles. East? Ah, uh, you just flop. We can tell you're guessing now. It's it's LA. West Coast. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Lake Charles, okay. Hyattsville. Wait, hold on. Go on. When you say LA, that's the that's the thingy bob. The the what do you call it? The letters that come after. What's yeah. it called? No, that's Louisiana. Is that Louisiana? Oh, because there's two letter codes, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So I'm showing my ignorance there. Is that what coast is Louisiana on? 
Is it more central Louisiana? Yeah, I feel, it's, 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 East Coast? I feel like it's central. I feel like that is central, like South, innit? It's central South because it's the whole Martin Luther King, Louisiana. So it's probably, it's probably like, so if you think about it, it's probably You're trying to say it's East. You're trying to say it's East. No, no, it's not. I said coast. I said coast. Yeah, but that's, that's probably, <laughs> that's more, that's more East Coast than West Coast though. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you got a bit of a nah, you got to give it, bro. No, 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 no. What do you no, mean? No. Okay, okay, watch this. Watch this now. Watch this how I'm going to feel. Louisiana is next to Houston. Louisiana and Houston and them are all in the West Conference in basketball. That's all I'm saying. Louisiana is next yeah? to Houston? Yeah. Well, the yeah. east side of it. Ah, oh, come on, come on. Well, the line's got to be somewhere, bro. The line's got to be somewhere. Uh, I'm just saying. What's that, Kentucky? The line has to be somewhere. Is that like Kentucky? Okay, I'm not getting into the States. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, We've got another one. Let's go on to the next one. Zayla... Nah. Zayla Gazeg. Zayla Gazeg. Zayla Gazeg. Nah, don't know what that is. It's Hungary. Oh, wow, okay. Cool. So shout out to all of you guys. Yeah, man. Respect. Shout out to you guys. Hungry, man. Hungry, stand up. Thank you very much for listening, man. Thank you very much. Indeed, indeed, appreciate indeed. that. But Kobna, I'm hungry now, so we gotta go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Alright, listen guys, thank you very much. It was a drab nil-nil draw, but hopefully our dissection of the game was way more interesting than that. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Five stars only, because we only give you five star context. You know it makes sense. Give someone a gift to the pod, man. Tell them uh tell them that Andrew's a very nice, nice nice, nice guy with dulcet tones and historical insight. Of an encyclopedic level of Spurs, so so come to oh, that. And if you. they get bored of that, they can just listen to me ramble on, and that's also cool. Everyone's welcome here at the table of the Shelfside Podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's good night for me. And it's good night for me. We drew no no, so actually, since Conte came, we're unbeaten. So that's another reason to smile, guys, because the sun always shines on the shelf side. Lero, do the honors, please, and run the outro. Show side, 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 show side,